Hello and welcome to Lead Tale TV. My name is Brian Kramer, keynote speaker, coach of coaches, and author of There's No B2B or B2C, it's HH, Human to Human. Today I'm going to interview Garrett Ruiz, head of content strategy for Adobe Digital Cloud. We're going to be talking about today how his team, Garrett's team, is measured at Adobe. We're also going to be talking about what is the common thread for working throughout Silicon Valley at all the different technology companies that he's worked at and what is the thread for marketing. The last thing is, as a court researcher, he's reviewed 20,000 different eviction notices and eviction statements. So how did that kind of project or that kind of timeline and process help him become a better marketer? Okay, so let's get to it. Here's Garrett Ruiz. You doing and welcome to the uh lead tail tv interview here i'm great thanks thanks brian for having me and i know my my title's a, a mouthful there so uh thanks for <laughs> waiting through that it's, but i'm excited <laughs> to chat today you're head of commercial content strategy for adobe experience cloud you're you're right that is a um, a good one how are you uh how, what does that mean yeah so um uh, as you may know, Adobe has uh, quite a few products in its portfolio, and the business is basically broken up into three clouds, we call them. There's the Creative Cloud, which is Photoshop and those products you're familiar with. There's Document Cloud, which includes things like PDF and Adobe Sign. And then there's the Adobe Experience Cloud, which is really uh, focused on technology for um, marketing professionals. Um, and there's both a business segment that's focused more on enterprise businesses and a more newly formed division focused on uh, the commercial segment. So that um, includes a couple companies that Adobe acquired over the last couple years, Marketo and Magento being those primary two. And so um, I'm responsible for content strategy and creation um, across those business units, really focus on the commercial segment of the market is, is my audience that I'm thinking about. Wow. So not a small role. Um, and, <laughs> no. Uh, and, and a lot of change. How, how, do you, how are you measured around that kind of job? It seems like it's, it's gigantic. Yeah, yeah, and it's um kind of definitely uh, something I'm I'm starting to get my head around. You know, is a new opportunity for me to have a couple different products in my my purview. So um, probably the the two primary ways that um, me and my team are being measured is sort of one: can we efficiently build a content engine that meets the demand of a very um, hungry uh, demand gen team. So I have a, a lot of counterparts that are focused on uh, inbound and outbound campaigns, and they need content to, to fuel those initiatives. So, you know, one area is just setting up that engine to give them the ammo they need to, to run those campaigns and, and meet their goals. And then kind of beyond that is the efficacy of the content that I'm feeding them. Um, and really, is that resulting in uh, not just leads, but converting into pipeline uh, for the business? How is that to work with uh, what seems to be like Adobe might to the outside world anyway, alongside bigger companies like that to be an octopus where you've got so many different arms and lots of different things. And when you say content, it can mean so many different things. Um, give us an example, if you don't mind, of what that might look like. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good question because it can, it can take so many forms and there's, and there's so many different like tentacles, as you said, sort of reaching out into the market. But, uh, for, for what my team is, is focused on, that can be anything from blog content to video, ebooks, guides, um, podcasts, uh, webinars, and, and all of that is really, um, with the goal of helping to create awareness and, um, like I said, sort of create pipeline for right now it's, it's the Marketo and Magento businesses. So our marketing automation solution and e-commerce solution, um, within that, when that commercial segment, so that the, the content is all those things that are getting pushed out on our website via social and in campaigns that, uh, my demand generation counterparts are running. How do you, how would you measure, uh, that process? I know it's lead, lead gen, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is so much testing going on to see what, what eventually works. Just because it's released doesn't mean that it's, and not working doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It, it still, you know, there's, there's so many different avenues for sharing a blog post that it, where it doesn't work in one place, it might work in another. And I'm super simplifying it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, um, but how, how do you, how do you measure the idiosyncrasies of a piece of content? Yeah. Well, I, I have, I have the benefit of, um, having access to some great tools that are just inherent in the Adobe portfolio and, and the, the, uh, Marketo platform actually has, um, s- some pretty advanced sort of analytics and measurement around, uh, what channels is content performing in? Who is it reaching? Uh, what, what segmentation do we need? to look at. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's, there's a lot of different channels and what works on one may not work on another. Um, so, you know, this, uh, I have a little bit of a, the sort of personal mantra around just the amount of data that, uh, marketers are inundated with and, um, some of it great and some of it not so good. But, um, I do have, um, the benefit of tools and also teams that help me sort of look at, um, where is it performing? Where do we need to, to make adjustments? And, um, as a content marketer, I really kind of rely on those, um, counterparts to come back and tell me, Hey, this is working in these campaigns because, um, I just simply can't have that depth of insight into all the programs that they're running. So that's a feedback loop that we try to keep open so we can pivot and make adjustments as needed. Mm. What, what are you looking for specifically on something that works versus something that might create a pivot? Yeah. Well, I, I am embedded within our, demand generation group, which means that there, there is a pretty heavy focus on lead net new lead creation. Um, and as, as well as uh, cross sell and upsell. So how are we reaching existing customers and sort of introducing them to other elements of the portfolio or, or additional products that, that maybe benefit them. Um, so it does come back to pipeline generation revenue a, a lot. Um, uh, I, as a, as a content person, like to look at some other things outside of that to get an understanding of, um, what's, what's resonating, where are we creating some, some brand awareness to help complement some of that, that lead generation efforts. But, um, you know, kind of because of where I sit in the business, you gotta, you gotta try feed, feed the engine to continue the, the growth of the company. Oh, that's great. Is there a, a, a K, do you have a favorite KPI that you look at that, you know, just kind of lights you up? <laughs> um, 
Well, it, you know, in, in all honesty, I am not a data guy. So the, the, like the true answer is I, I don't love looking at, at, at numbers, but it is an important sort of part of the, the world that, uh, marketers live in now. So, um, when I can see that, um, not only has content helped sort of add, um, names to the database, so to speak, but that those have progressed uh, through the funnel. Um, those are things I love to see. I love to see when content helps kind of move someone from an early stage to a later stage so that, that those kind of pipeline acceleration KPIs are always really encouraging because you're saying, okay, it got people in and it's sort of helping carry them through the journey of where we want them to go. Wow, that's great. What What kind of content do you see works better for moving people through a journey versus some stuff that may just you would think it work but it just doesn't yeah we've been we've been um doing a little bit of experimentation with um uh customer stories and i think for a long time the the traditional case study was thought of something that um was a little bit further downstream it, it was it, it wasn't at the awareness or sort of research phase it was more when a prospective buyer had decided, yeah, I'm probably going to go with these guys or I'm evaluating them against a couple others. Let me see some some proof points. Um, we've been trying to introduce those a little bit earlier in the journey because I think there's can be some great storytelling that happens for a customer that can be engaging to bring someone into that journey a little earlier. Um, so that's been something um, exciting that, that we're kind of playing with to see how do we get those stories out a little earlier and not just sort of confine them to getting that prospect over the line and making a decision. Have you noticed types of content uh, having a difference in terms of like video versus written versus in-person uh, uh, webinars? I mean, I could keep going, but have, yep. have you seen anything there? Yeah, I, you know, I think it, <sighs> I think it kind of depends on on the stage. I, I think all the things you mentioned sort of have their place, um, but um, video is something that that sort of continues to be interesting, and particularly moving into more kind of short form video content. Um, um, but uh, the the other area that we're you know there's been a lot said about this is sort of that interactive bucket um you know and that can take a couple different forms um and i can't say that i have a sort of a, a ton of data on that at this point but we're starting to play around with it and kind of see what we can learn and and sort of mix up that that mix of mediums that we have in, in the in the arsenal today so i want to ask you a quick question here before we move into uh a couple more uh behind the scenes of, of who is garrett um, uh, so I'm just pre-warning you there. When you, um, what, what would you say to someone who just started a job like yours in, you know, in their, their head of, you know, commercial content strategy or, or content strategy of any kind, and they're just starting and beginning and you look back on what you've done and say, man, if I had known what I know now, I would have done what differently. What would you tell them? Yeah. So I think this is going to come back to... Uh, the point where we had a little earlier just about the sheer amount of data um, that marketers have. And I actually have a, a little bit of like a bone to pick with this sort of data driven marketer concept because I, I, I just, I think that marketing should always be a mix of creativity and, and looking at the data. But what this volume of data does, I, I think is can sometimes enable a little bit of 
I'll call it laziness because it's very easy to stay safe and say, well, what worked last year is just what we'll do again. Um, but any new idea, any new innovation didn't have historical data behind it, but it's easy to get sort of stuck in that, that cycle. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure on marketers now to say, show me the data, show me the data. And we get asked for it sometimes very early in the life, life of a campaign. And then you start to sort of put forth some vanity metrics because you're like, okay, I gotta, sh I gotta show them some data points, but I don't have much to show. So I, I think what I would say is, sort of stand up and and say, let's balance um, what we do in terms of how we use data to inform what we do going forward. Let's step outside of that. Um, let's take some risks. And, you know, it always helps when you have an environment where that's encouraged to, you know, have some fast failures and that kind of thing. But um, there were certainly times in the past where I think I just sort of stuck to the straight and narrow because there was uh, some easy data points to point to, um, even if it wasn't particularly innovative. Uh, that's awesome. I, I, I hear you and feel you on the vanity metrics versus actual metrics and, you know, pointing in the right direction, uh, creating things that, that matter. Um, uh, and man, do I empathize with you on that, data, on, on that point. Um, I, I'd love to just take a, tiny bit of a shift into uh, prior to when you joined Adobe, mm -hmm. uh, you actually went from a company, or you've been with a company that has the letter A, but your previous three companies have started with the letter B, yeah. Blue Jeans, Blue Snap, and Bloom Energy. <laughs> yes. This, this, a lot of Bs in there. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you, I used to have a line in my LinkedIn profile that that said, you, you know, I will consider companies that that don't start with with B. Um, <laughs> I, it wasn't it wasn't uh, intentional. It's just kind of how it how it landed. So now I'm going kind of back to the beginning of the alphabet, and maybe I'll just try to run through and see if, you know, by the time I retire, I can hit them all or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so what are you seeing in terms of the differences of the kinds of uh, companies that you worked with in, in, in specifically around content um, mm -hmm. and their, your role at, at, as it's evolved? How, how yeah. have you seen that change? Yeah, well, I, the, the great thing about working at a couple of different places that had some different business models was I got to try out some different flavors of content marketing. So, you know, for example, when I was at um, Bloom Energy, that, that was um, a company that was focused on large-scale um, electricity production. And so those contract sizes were in the tens to hundreds of millions of dollars. So really we were marketing to the person who can sign a check for that large, which is usually the CEO of the, you know, kind of Fortune 1000. Um, so that taught me how to get really personal, how to sort of create a persona of one sometimes or two uh, within a target account and uh, a, a fun, story I'll, I'll, I'll share there is we were trying to get a deal across the line with a large um, oil company in Europe. And so the CEO was based there and we were kind of trying to figure out how we could get his attention. Um, and so we 
actually decided to build a scale model of of our product and ship it to him and set it on his on his desk so he could sort of see how these energy systems work but um i think that was just a fun example of how to get really creative in your marketing when you understand your audience um so that that was great um but the hard thing about that was my focus was so narrow that um, I wanted to get some experience in sort of some other sort of marketing disciplines. And um, some of those doors were definitely opened up when I um, moved to BlueJeans, the service we're using today and um, talking to a wider, wider audience. And it was a SaaS based platform. And so there's kind of another type of, of marketing and lead nurturing that comes in into play there. And um, we had multiple personas we needed to create content for. Um, so that that was kind of an excellent years of learning experience for me to, to take into what I'm doing at Adobe now. If you had to say that there's one running theme throughout all of that, uh, what would it be? Um, I, I think it was that there's there's an emotional element behind every lead and every, every deal. And, um, I, I know you, you talk a lot about the human to human uh, element and that, that really resonates with me because, um, especially when you're doing marketing at scale and you have big lead numbers to hit, um, it's easy to lose sight of that, but, um, it's something that I try to come back to. And I like to think that I've been fairly successful in sort of bringing that, um, emotional or human element into, into the content we create. And sometimes it's very dry topics and that's tough, but, um, I try to always come back to that and think about would, would a human on the other end want to consume what I'm putting out there. And it's kind of interesting with the whole personalization piece. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if you've had any experience with that on how to personalize something so it does come across a little bit more human. You, like you said, there's the story side, which touches my heart. Um, how does that connect with the, the person on the other end? But then there's the um, you know personalization or sometimes even over-personalization, like going too far. Um, I'm sure you've seen that. Um, how, how do you see that happening now and maybe in the future? Yeah, it's it's certainly a can be a double-edged sword. I was reading a story the other day. I won't I won't name the brand, but I, th I they had a goof where they sent out an email to a bunch of people that said, "Congrats on your newly arrived baby," and none of these people had had a baby recently. And so those are like the the gotchas that come with with personalization. But um, I do think it opens up some some great doors to be a little bit closer to um, that audience. I think the hard thing for people like me and content producers are how do you sort of do that personalization at scale? It can become very overwhelming to say, hey, here's the 10 industries with three sub personas and we want to get really personalized content for them. And all of a sudden you're like, I just, I, I don't have the cycles to create um, content at that scale. So you got to prioritize it. Um, you got to find sort of things that can double dip sometimes. Um, but I do think uh, it can be really valuable. And if the business is okay with saying, hey, we're going to sort of deprioritize some things in an effort to get more personalized, then, you know, more power to those content marketers who sort of have that air cover to just focus um, on, on some of those audiences that they really care about. It's interesting because you were talking about um, the energy business that you were in and how you're focused sometimes on just one or two people. And uh, personalization is, uh, you know, can, can oftentimes be actually looking at those archetypes of one, you know, one or two or 
three or four people. Um, and at, now you're at a, a business where potentially maybe it's maybe I, I make up in my head that it might be reversed. It might be, you know, more people than you can deal with. And yet you're, you know, the person who's really signing is still just one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, well, maybe a handful in some cases. But um, but a lot of what we're talking about, too, is that account based marketing. And, and I think you were doing it long before it was actually called account based marketing. <laughs> yeah, um, that wasn't that, a term it, back then. No, no. And so are you seeing that as um, a reliable opportunity at, at a company this size, or is that um, too too wide, too you know, too much of a bigger net than than what you might go after? Yeah, yeah. I I think I think um, there's always going to be a, a mix of of both um, sort of that ABM effort and call it more traditional lead generation. Um, I, I think that will be the case going forward. But what we try to do is sort of rope off a, a segment where we want to do that that double click down and say, okay, we're going to invest a little bit more here to be more targeted, uh, more customized, and also try to sort of line that up with um, how our counterparts in sales are, are approaching an account. I think that that was maybe historically a bit of a miss because I think for a while sales has been doing account-based targeting in a way that that marketing wasn't always. And so um, we're trying to you know get smart about okay this this has a handoff at at one point so let's let's line up those AVM efforts. But I think it, it's always going to be a mix mix of both. But we we are certainly delving into that world. Oh, that's great. Um, okay, so I'm going to take a little bit of a shift again into the world of Garrett and okay. talk about the fact that for five years you were a court researcher, <laughs> which which is so uh, so much different than what we've been talking about. You reviewed 20,000 eviction cases in Santa Clara County. Tell me about that, and where were there any parallels or learnings that informed your own marketing career, or the content uh, machines that you're, you've been building? Yes, definitely. And, and, you know, in, in some ways, that is sort of what caused me to be a marketer, but not for the reasons you may think. I was actually on a pre-law track, um, planning to go to law school and become an attorney. And that's why I was doing that work and discovered that that was actually not the right vocation for me. And so it sort of forced me to, to look around and figure out, hey, what, what else is out there that I want to do? And um, I kind of stumbled into marketing, but it was the best thing that happened to me. But I think, you know, something that I took away from that experience um, is, yeah, I was looking at um, eviction cases here in in Santa Clara County and reading through caseloads. And there is often a really sometimes heart-wrenching or poignant story behind some of these cases. Um, And so I think what I was able to take away is much like we were talking about, there's a human behind um, every lead, you know, there, there was a human behind every one of these eviction cases. Um, and it created some empathy for me that I like to think has served me well. Um, you know, be kind, think, think about others. Um, and that's helped me to, I think, build successful teams and have good relationships and um, have, a, have a great career so far. Oh man, well, uh, well said, and and uh, and the human part is what I'm seeing as the red thread coming through uh, 
with everything that you do, it's it's definitely loud and clear that that's um, what's what's most important. And I couldn't uh, couldn't commend commend you more for bringing that to the table and everything that you do. Um, I also uh, on the on the human side saw that you on your Twitter profile that you're an outdoor adventure and travel enthusiast. Yeah. Um, tell me about your most memorable travel experience or or one of the experiences that you've had. Oh man. Yeah. My, my wife and I have had just amazing opportunities to do some traveling. Um, uh, and, uh, I actually met my wife abroad in, in Switzerland. So you, you may think I'm making this story up, but I, I met my wife rappelling down a waterfall in the Swiss Alps. Um, and, uh, the, the rest was history as they speak, but that, that kind of created a, uh, foundation in our, our marriage where we just really both have a love for traveling. So I, I'd say in recent years, one of the most memorable experiences, um, I'm a, uh, I'm a huge soccer fan and a big bucket list item for me had been to attend a world cup. So we actually went to Russia last summer and attended, um, a handful of games and went to a, a bunch of different cities and, uh, the energy and experience um, at a World Cup um, just puts any other sporting event you've been to to shame. I, I can't even quite put it into words. So that was just this intersection of two loves, travel and, and the game of soccer coming together. Um, so, so that was really, really fantastic, something that I'll, I'll treasure forever. Um, well, holy wow. I didn't <laughs> really see that coming, that you met your wife repelling down a, yeah. a waterfall that's incredible <laughs> um that just about takes the cake uh and um ironically my wife and i's second date if you can call it that was at the women's world cup that oh. was here in the united states in los angeles and we saw brandy chastain oh amazing she uh, won and i i could couldn't agree with you more at the energy level and the the enthusiasm and oh my god and and we're we're, we're she more than i are both uh soccer players and so that was that was really oh, cool. yeah I, I could see why so um well garrett i could i wanted to kind of end on a personal note of something fun and and exciting and i think you just uh you just did that so i really uh really appreciate your time and uh with that said all good things must come to an end hi everybody spencer here on the retail team we want to thank Garrett Ruiz for being our guest on the show today. If you'd like to continue the conversation, tweet us at Leetail or our guest at Garrett Ruiz 18. If you want to see the full video interview series, you can find this episode and more at LeetailTV.com. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Have ideas for the show? Do you know someone who would be great to be a guest? Drop us a line at studios at Thanks.